and my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme difficult questions about the church and today we're discussing church members in conflict. Is it possible? Today our co-host is Helen Gray. Helen's the pastoral assistant at the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. Your enthusiasm just rubs off fantastically. I really <laughs> appreciate being able to come and, yeah. and just speak to our, to our listeners. It really does. It's a highlight of my day. I love being able to be in here at the studio and just talking to two or three people. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Winter has certainly arrived here in Adelaide, hasn't it? Absolutely. You know, I was just about to say me too. I love being here as well. But uh, it was one degree up at uh, Birdwood yesterday morning. I'm sure it was even colder this morning. Have you had frost on the ground yet? They've had frost on the ground. A yes. Frost already. I tell yes. you what, this uh, I, I I feel a little bit a little bit had having uh, autumn disappear so quickly and uh, and Jack Frost uh, arising Gary, so early. There are still some beautiful trees, autumn trees to look at. There are indeed. In fact, I was Very coming through just the other day coming through Stirling and uh, I had my, my wife uh, with her with me and I said hey we've got to get up here because we've got the autumn tones up at Stirling now if anybody in, uh, knows Adelaide they know that up in the lower hills you get all these deciduous uh, uh, trees and uh, you get all these uh, autumn tones particularly up there at Stirling it's really worth a trip up there this time of the year and uh, that's exactly what's happening at the present time uh, uh, so I'm planning to get up there and uh, or a trip down to Strathalban. Yeah. That's going down that that road, the trees are just magnificent. We live in such a beautiful part we of do. the world, don't we? We do. We do. Yeah. We are very yeah. blessed. You know, in fact, all of Oz, I'm just so conscious that all of Oz, you know, I, I've lived in so many parts of Oz. I've lived, uh, I've lived in Tasmania. I've lived, I think the only state I haven't lived in, well, two states is probably uh, Western Australia and Victoria I haven't lived in. I've lived in New South Wales. I was born in, mm-hmm. in, in Sydney, uh, Queensland. I spent a, a three or four different locations. Up there in Queensland, love Queensland. I think it's a beautiful uh, state. Uh, Sydney, uh, love uh, love that harbour. I love the Sydney beaches. I mm-hmm. grew up on the Sydney beaches. Love um, that uh, uh, that part of the world. Uh, but uh, down here in uh, in South Oz, it's really uh, it's a it's a lovely place down here as well. I, I've got to admit, every time I I drive um, back in my home state or over there in Melbourne, I come back here rejoicing, saying, "Hey, I've got oh. no tolls." <laughs> What a fantastic state. But there is something about South Australia, Gary. I can't put my finger on it, but I know every time I leave, I end up coming back. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, it's very good. Look, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this morning on the Religion News Service, um, just another article, very similar actually to the uh, article that we uh, spoke about yesterday, but uh, this was actually commenting on a book that has just been released. It's uh, again, again speaking about parenting. But a parent, the article is entitled, Like Your Religion Depends on It, uh, because in fact it does. And uh, this is what the, uh, what, what the article says. We all know 
that more young people are leaving religion today and that there's a wealth of research about characteristics of the ones who stay versus the ones who leave. What do the most what do the most religious kids have in common? Why do they stay involved with their parents' faith? There's far less research, however, about these people's parents. One professor of sociology at uh, John Jay uh, Criminal Justice Institute in New York wanted to turn the the usual questions around and focus on parents. How do they go about raising faithful kids? The result of her work is actually in a book uh, that has just been released this week. Uh, The book's entitled Handing Down Faith... How Parents Pass Religion On to the Next Generation. This book's been printed uh, by Oxford University Press and it's just been released just this uh, just this week. Now, one of the main findings of the research is that parents are still the most influential drivers of whether their children will grow up to be religious and that is is something that is happening on a daily basis. The parents, the article says, it can't be just putting on a show for their kids. The parents who pass down their religion really do believe what they believe. It's very important to them. And so they're always looking for opportunities to talk with their kids where religious topics are regularly engaged in conversation. Those conversations, they say, have to be two-way. This moves to that issue we were talking about yesterday, and not just the impartation of knowledge, but the how knowledge is actually imparted is equally important these conversations have to be two-way a lot of parents might want to just preach to their kids or give a little sermon to tell them how it is that might be the easier path but the most successful parents are the ones who let the conversations be organic growing from the kids own questions in the book the book actually contrasts four parenting styles, authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and less engaged. What was the best style for raising religious children? The answer actually came out very clear. The authoritative parenting style where they mix strictness about religion but warmth and lots of love is absolutely key. Now, this is a point that you made yesterday, uh, Helen. Uh, that seemed to be the most successful for passing on religious beliefs, whatever those beliefs are. The authoritative parents set clear expectations with regard to religion. They were going to church if they were Christian They were having Bible study. They were doing various things and encouraging their kids to attend. At the same time, they had a lot of love and warmth. They encouraged their children's questions. They had two-way conversations. So if the children didn't respond well to some of the parents' limitations, the children knew that they weren't going to lose their parents' love over it. They weren't going to be excluded from their caring. 
that's a little bit different than the authoritarian style where parents tend to be much colder and more distant. They also have strict expectations about religion, but unlike the authoritative parent, the authoritative parents, the authoritarian parents aren't really mixing it with love and engagement. Part of the reason the authoritative style is so successful is that kids want to emulate their parents. They actually like their parents. You know, Helen, when I read that, I sort of thought, hey, this is saying something incredibly powerful. This is a book that I'm actually going to get hold of because I think it is saying something that the church today does actually need to hear. What's your thinking? Totally agree. Absolutely agree. And I love the statement you just read about um, the children knew that they weren't going to necessarily lose their parents' love or care. And that, to me, is key, you know, to the communication with a child. If they know that regardless of how they treat you or what they say, that they will never lose your love, it gives them that security, yeah. It gives them that freedom to be themselves. It gives them the freedom. Not, I'm not saying that they should be cheeky and all the rest of it. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But it gives them that permission, you know, to, to say, be able to ask feel? questions. You know, yes. to be able Real to questions. to be able to dialogue yes. on on issues of importance. Mm. You know, mm. to me, as I I think of uh, you know being a, being a parent myself, some of the some of the best times that I enjoyed most was when my children were actually challenging uh, my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, uh, that was a delight mm-hmm. uh, for them because I knew they were actually working through the values in their own mind. Actually, Gary, having just read that article myself, I I um I'd refer to the the next paragraph that you didn't read. And I think this is very important. And you've just hit the nail on the head about your children and your yeah, 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 yeah. said there the parents are also being influenced by their children's faith. Yeah. yeah. And that struck a chord in my own heart because there was a time when um everything was going wrong. Everything was going wrong for us <laughs> with my son and I when I was a single single mum. And I remember um the last part was I came around the corner and the I think it was the bushes or something in the Volkswagen gave out and I had no control of the car, it shot straight across fortunately there was no cars coming around the corner as well yeah. because it shot straight across the road and we ended up in a ditch. And I said there and I thought that has to be the last straw and I just wanted to see, I had we had the dog in the back we had some goods in the back because we were going to house it for some people and I just wanted to cry mm, mm. and you know my son sitting there singing you know what he was singing <laughs> he was singing that little chorus we know he's able he's able I know he is able I know yeah. my Lord is able to carry us through yeah. And and you know I started crying because he was singing the song, but that was his faith. It, it, it's it's a, it it's amazing up. how much yes. um, a child when you have children they actually teach you about faith, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, and they will pull you up. Yeah, they will pull you up. One other very quick story, Gary, is that when um, when I was in the singles group in Queensland and we had a wonderful Bible study group, getting wonderful answers to prayer. We were studying the ABCs of prayer, and uh, I do remember that we went to go on a bus trip. 
And mm. I used to get terribly, terribly travel sickness, anything. Yeah. Buses, trains, planes, you name it. And my parents refused to take me for a drive because yeah. I just got so sick. Yeah. And I do remember that one day we went out on this bus and I said, I'll meet you at the destination. Mm-hmm. And my son turned to me and said, why? Why are we not going on the bus, mummy? And I said, because, darling, I get terrible travel sickness. And he said, don't you believe in the prayers? Wow. Gary, what was I to do? That's powerful. So I, I, I said, right, let's go. And I had remembered reading Paul's story when mm-hmm. he prayed, mm-hmm. you know, take this away from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Yeah. And the other word for the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Yeah. And we got on the bus and people looked at us and, you know, what's going on? The only seat was up the back mm-hmm. in over the wheel, worst place. And uh, I can remember I sat, I said, no, we're going with you. I sat down three times that day. We never got off the bus. It was pouring rain. Three times that day, I had the nauseous feeling, and three times I prayed that prayer, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me, and I have never had travel sickness since. Wow. wow. That's God. But he taught me that lesson through my son. And that happens so regularly. You know, your children actually teach you. So, And this is the thing about, you know, this particular um, article that certainly is commenting on this this book that's been released by Oxford University Press just uh, just, uh, this week uh, is is really making a lot of very sound sense. The one thing that I I must finish off just on uh, my comment on on this, um, there's actually a um, a paragraph that really jumped out at me. The question was, what surprised you most from your research? Now, this is to the researcher. And uh, the researcher said this, honestly, how small the role of the religious congregations really is. Almost none of our parents said that congregations were primarily responsible for transmitting religious beliefs to their children. I mean, they use, the parents, use the congregations and they want congregations nearby. They want congregations that can give their kids a community of young people so their kid doesn't feel like they are the only one. But as far as the transmission of values is concerned, the church, according to this study, has an incredibly small role to play. Now, look, you know, just my, my last question to you. Are churches starting possibly at the wrong spot? In I mean, I'm a former youth ministry professional. I spent seven years dealing with youth ministry at a, uh, at a, a district level. And, you know, one of the things that I'm so conscious of is that we did so much for uh, the young people, whereas could it be... That we're actually starting at the wrong spot. Could it be that, you know, in our excluding parents from much of youth ministry, we're actually starting at the wrong spot? Mm, mm. I think that is really worth thinking about. Um, when I was over in um, New Zealand, I remember going to a youth program. Mm. Now, I've got grey hair, Gary. And the people I was staying with said, but it's a youth program, why are you going? I said, because I support the youth. Now, another person came with me, and of course they had modern songs, they had a skit, and I thought they did a fantastic job. Mm. I stood up when they sang, and I sat down, you know, when we had to, but the person that went with me was so angry. Because of the music, you know, mm, was, mm. and that was a conflict situation. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I finally and we're coming said, to conflict in yes, just a moment. Aren't we? I finally <laughs> said, "Look, you came here 
accept them as they are. And I had young people coming up to me later and chatting with me and how much they appreciated yeah, that I was there. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. there to judge them. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. In, increasingly, ministry, I, I, I'm yeah. becoming increasingly conscious that ministry is actually most effective when it's done in a holistic family mm. uh, orientation as opposed to, you know, a segregating uh, individuals mm. into into various age age brackets. But I found this uh, this particular uh, article and I'm I'm really looking forward to actually getting hold of the book. Uh, Sounds the books like we better just, get a couple, Gary. Uh, just been released uh, this week. <laughs> by Oxford University Press. The book's entitled uh, Handing Down the Faith, How Parents Pass Their Religion On uh, to the Next Generation. I'm sure you'll be able to pick that up on uh, on Amazon if, you, uh, uh, if you'd like to get a copy of it. Uh, uh, please enjoy uh, Bethany Dillon, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Thank you. 
And that was Bethany Dillon, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. What a beautiful, beautiful rendition that, uh, that really was. We've got uh, a giveaway uh, for you, for you today. Uh, we've got uh, a book. It's entitled The Healing Power of Forgiveness. Now, this is a real beauty. This is one of the best books that uh, we've actually given away uh, here on the Drive Time program. Now, Helen, you're familiar with this particular book. In fact, you, you're a facilitator in the Forgive to Live uh, program, I, I understand. Now, this particular book, how good is it? Oh, I believe it's excellent. I have the book myself. I have used some of the quotes out of it. And I'm very much a believer in healing, power of forgiveness. Is it possible, does, does forgiveness bring healing? Well, Gary, you're sitting opposite someone who it certainly brought healing to. Yeah, your story yesterday was yes. incredibly powerful. I, yeah. I really, and then look, if any of our listeners have missed uh, yesterday's program, Helen actually shared her story of uh, of forgiveness and uh, the healing power yeah. of forgiveness. Look, can I, can I can encourage you to please just go onto our app and you can replay yesterday's program and uh, you can hear uh, Helen's, Helen's story. That was a powerful, powerful story. Really appreciated, uh, Helen, your testimony yesterday. But this particular book is entitled The Healing Power power of forgiveness uh, you'll love this particular book now look folks if you would like a copy of the healing power of forgiveness just write uh, just text us here at the studio on your mobile phone texting us um, the healing power of forgiveness with your name your address your telephone number uh, and text it to 04888 80811 that number again is 04888 80811 and that book is entitled The Healing Power of Forgiveness and you'll really love that. This is a life-changing book. This is really Amazing. worth uh, mm-hmm. picking up. This is really worth uh, we're prepared to give this to you. So that uh, number again is 0488 80811. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray and Helen's the pastoral assistant for the Birdwood uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. This this week we're taking as our theme difficult questions about the church and today we're discussing church members in conflict uh, is it possible wow what a what a question this one is now i'm really looking forward to what you where you're going to actually lead us on this one uh, this one <laughs> oh, helen but you know yes. I, i'm so conscious i was actually just doing a little bit of an inter- internet search and uh, lo and behold an article did actually pop up it was entitled uh, 25 silly things church members fight over now this is actually originally published in the christian post and uh, when i when i saw it i sort of thought oh this will be uh, this will be interesting because i've got some of my own stories but uh, they've actually consolidated a number that apparently appeared on twitter uh, a year or two back um, there was the argument at one particular church about the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard now you know i can think of one of our pastors in uh, uh, down here in south australia maybe we could apply this particular no sorry i wouldn't we wouldn't do something like that fight over whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the same land for a cemetery <laughs> helen do you like that particular oh, one I, love, I like that i can yes. i can imagine the emotion that uh, that would actually get into that uh, that particular argument a deacon accusing another deacon of sending an anonymous letter and deciding to settle the matter uh, in the parking lot whoa I actually did actually have a case very similar to this um, a number a number of years ago people sometimes think that oh, that sort of thing 
doesn't actually happen within the church, but I, oh, oh, I I'm so Very conscious sad. that you know sometimes humanity. Uh, does tend to to actually bubble through a church dispute of whether or not to install uh, restroom stall dividers in the women's rest restroom. Well, that's a that's an interesting one. A church argument and vote to decide if a clock in the worship centre should be should stay or be removed. You know. Helen, one of these things—I mean, we we tend to laugh about uh, about some of these uh, these items on the list—and yet the reality is they're actually very, very real, aren't they? Very much so. I did read a book not long ago. It was called "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff." It's all small stuff stuff anyway. And really, when it boils down to it, Gary, why are some of these so some of these issues so important to some people? Yeah. Yeah. You know, really, when you stop and think about it, I think of one issue that we had in one of the churches I was at, and we had a board meeting, and one of the chaps wasn't there at the time, and we decided to move the pews, yeah. something like only about two or three centimeters, mm-hmm. you know, both sides, yeah. to allow two wheelchairs down the aisle. Rather than just one, because we did have quite a number that were in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. And so they made a decision that night they were going to do it. And um, I'm laughing because I still remember the incident that they were going to do it. It was put through. And so it was decided that two of the, the deacons that night, they decided between them that they would do it straight away. So they went over into the church, they moved the chairs, they measured it all up. It was all nice and straight. This gentleman that had missed the meeting, He turned up on the Friday to get things set up and he noticed that the pews had been moved. Mm -hmm. Do you know what he did? He moved them back again. He moved them back again. (laughs) And then he came to me and accused me of moving the pews. Which you probably couldn't have done anyway. I couldn't have done. And I was just, he was so adamant that they were in the right place and how dare you move them. And I was stunned. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the motives of those guys, and I said, I had nothing to do with it. Oh, you, you got the guys to move it. And yeah. it was just, it was a stupid conflict. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this, this is one of the ch- real challenges that we face, isn't it? You know, uh, church, church members are also human, aren't they? Oh, very much so. And Sometimes we're too human. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. You, you, yes. you know, one of the things I suppose I'm really conscious of is, you know, sometimes I've actually had people say that, uh, uh, well, you know, we in business, this isn't how things would actually work. Well, actually, what we find is that within a church environment, what you actually have is people who are all volunteers. Mm-hmm. They're coming along to church because they want to come along yes. to, to church. They're generally fairly passionate about their particular church and uh, you know this is something that you know when uh, w- when you're doing something you know it it can become all consuming some of these mm. some of these issues they certainly have with issues that I've had to deal with now yes. Helen why does it happen how do we respond to this okay well you've already explained why it happened we are human beings you know, you go into church and somebody's got the heater on because it's a very hot, a very cold day. And next thing you've got somebody else saying it's too hot in here and, you know, or vice versa. They've put the air conditioning on and somebody's yeah. complaining they're cold. Um, my answer to that is, well, bring a cardigan with you or move where, <laughs> where it isn't. But, you know, we do focus on these little things, Gary, and that's really, really sad. Sadly, there are some people that bring conflict into the church that have an agenda. 
and they're the worst. They're the yeah. worst because, you know, there's two words come to my mind. One is manipulation yeah. and the other is motivation. Yeah. Now, you can have a discussion with someone and you try and um, with manipulation, you're actually moving, trying to get them to move to what you want. This is what more of a power is, thing, so isn't it? It's a power thing. You know, they want they they want that power. They want you to do mm. what they want or or follow their opinion. Yeah. And they they often come with an agenda and I've seen that happen even in churches and it's really sad. But if you come with the idea that you're going to motivate someone, mm-hmm. you know, by discussing something with them, you move together in a mutual advantage point. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find anybody that's trying to manipulate will be very forceful, mm. will be argumentative, will not listen to your point of view. Yeah. Now yeah. you've probably had that yourself, Gary. Oh, we've we've had to deal with this many. In fact, sometimes we've actually described the church very much as a as a family, and we sort of say, okay, you know, we should be, you know, this sort of thing doesn't happen in families. Yet, from my experience, from talking to over decades with people and doing a, a lot of counselling. This sort of stuff does happen in families. I mean, it does. Uh, the, it does. The number of times yeah. I've I've heard of you know families coming together Christmas Day, and uh, you know the, the the conflict on even on Christmas Day can actually become incredibly huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I I just like to also say that it's not always um, just between the church members. Sadly, it's sometimes the leaders. Yeah. As well. And and seriously, I don't want to point at anybody in particular, but I, I um, when I was doing my training, we were going through a particular book by John Maxwell called Developing the Leader Within You, mm-hmm. and I happened to pick it up yesterday afternoon, and I was just glancing through it because I've marked it left, right, and center. Yeah, yeah. And you won't believe this, but of course I came, <laughs> came across a part which has said, do I care enough to confront people when it will make a difference? Because there are some issues that we do need to confront and conflict is like confrontation. Okay, can we just take this in a, I suppose, a, a logical uh, process? If, in fact, there is conflict, and we've established that uh, most churches mm-hmm. have got most church, in fact, most organisations, even families at time to time, from time to time, are actually involved in uh, some form of conflict. If there is a situation of conflict, how can I go about resolving that conflict what's the what's the process involved okay you're bringing me back on track to where i was before because you didn't like me mentioning leaders gary we're going to have a conflict here uh, we, we, we wouldn't <laughs> conflict about anything Ellen. well i'd like to say whether it be leaders or other, other people number one do it privately not publicly okay i think that's important do it as soon as possible you know than waiting a long time because things fester Okay. They do fester amongst people. And, you know, the good Lord has given us an example, actually, in Scripture on what we need to do. Mm. But I just wanted to mention the, a few things first. You know, you know I when think what, what, just on that, you know, talking to, to, you know, going, talking to the individual is really important because I'm conscious that increasingly one of the things that I'm finding in, uh, in church ministry is that someone will say something on Facebook or Twitter 
Somebody else will respond to it. And rather than the two people ever dialoguing together, mm. what you're getting is you're getting, uh, you know, these um, messages, you're getting uh, yeah. Facebook, you're getting uh, Twitter, you're mm. getting, and you're getting huge amounts of, uh, of conflict being generated as a result of huge misunderstandings that yeah. were never intended. Mm-hmm. Are you encountering that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, there's been a couple of times I've had to actually text or go up to somebody and say, totally inappropriate for social media. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. But, and and I think that when you get into a conflict situation, Gary, the sad part is that if you can't come to an agreement, anger comes in. Mm -hmm. Anger comes in and next thing people are saying things that they probably should never say. Yeah. Or, you know... when it's a, like when it's a husband and wife, I don't know, I've heard so many of them that they, they'll say, you always have done this. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, you never do that. Mm. Two words that we should leave out mm. when we're confronting or conflict yeah. with, with people. So you're saying it is okay to confront too? There is a time, I believe, that um, there needs to be not so much the conflict, it, but the confrontation. Okay. But done in a Christian manner. Uh-huh. And also, if you don't agree, well, then agree to disagree. Okay. Don't keep repeating things from the past. That's a favorite of a lot of people in the church as well as out of the church. Man, have I heard that come up in conflict in the church. Mm. I remember one church in the foyer, it got so bad. In the end, I, I just literally threw my hands up. Yeah. I thought yeah. this needs to stop. Yeah. We're just getting nowhere here. Yeah. We need to agree to disagree and, and love each other. And and let me tell you, too, that's where forgiveness also comes in. Okay, so there is actually this this issue of, of forgiveness, you suggest, because the reality is we all say things which are we look back in retrospect and we say, hey, that was dumb. You know, yes. even, yeah. as, even as pastors, you know, I'm so conscious that, you know, I wish – that some of the things that I have said myself, I could actually come, I could actually bring back because you, you just become so conscious that that was a silly, you know, we call yes. it foot in mouth disease. Yes. You know, we sort of give ourselves a little bit of license because it's foot in mouth disease. But foot in mouth disease to me can actually be rather, you know, very hurtful to, uh, to, to somebody else. And yeah. it's that, it's that issue that to me, I'm just so conscious that we, we are constantly having to deal with. I think that's where sarcasm also comes in when you're dealing with a conflict. It can easily come in. My answer to the foot and mouth disease is keep a glass of water beside you. Suggest somebody <laughs> swallows their foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but seriously, can we turn to Matthew? Sure. Let's, Matthew uh, 18. Matthew 18. Now, this is a really powerful uh, little uh, little passage. Now, of course, Christ is actually speaking. Uh, Matthew 18, and which particular passage? Um, 15 to 17. Please. 15 to 17. And this is, uh, this is what it says. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, uh, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear... Take one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, 
Whosoever, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if two or three on earth concern, agree concerning anything uh, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Yes. Now there's four steps okay. that you've just mentioned from mm-hmm. Scripture on that one. Um, and just before we mention that, the key word also is to listen. Okay. Whenever there's a conflict... Quite often, the other isn't listening to the other person. Yeah. They'll hear yeah. the words, but they're not really listening to them. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go through the four steps, Gary. Can I, can I just just come on, comment on that? Because, you know, from time to time, I certainly have been very involved with uh, – uh, with uh, family counselling and marriage marriage counselling, mm. uh, you know, couples that are going to split up. And one of the things I've really discovered is that it's so important uh, in, in my counselling efforts to determine, is there a power struggle here? Mm-hmm. Because if, in fact, there's a power struggle, that can actually be the problem itself yes. rather than the actual, you know, the old example of, you know, how does a toothpaste get squeezed by, <laughs> by husband and wife? You know, One in the middle. The reality is it doesn't. The reality what is about it, the toilet roll. Oh, the, we've heard them. We've heard them all. But you know, Helen, I'm so conscious that so often these types of issues are bound up in a power struggle. Yes. And I found that within the church, you know, to do what is actually taught, being spoken about here in Matthew 18 is so vitally important. But you know, it's impossible while a power struggle is actually going mm. on. One of the very mm. first thing that I've actually got to uh, challenge people on is this issue of power struggle. I'm saying to them, hey guys, where's the power struggle here? Is there a power struggle mm. happening? Is it happening? Because if there's a power struggle happening, you can be guaranteed that the uh, that the conflict will not be resolved. And that comes to what we were talking about yesterday too, because yeah. a power struggle ends up being an abuse. It, indeed, it does. Yes. Indeed, it does. And but so come back to, 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 okay. to Matthew eighteen. Okay. Step number one. Step number one. Step number one. You read it. I read it there. Okay, I read it. You were waiting for me to respond there. Sorry about that. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Amen. Stop there. Hang on. What about publishing it on Facebook? I think I should. No. The very, the very. What's wrong with publishing it on Facebook? Ah, oh, sorry, I'm being a bit that's, cynical that's here, aren't okay, I? I'm Gary, not. you may learn listening skills in a moment. <laughs> I think the first the, that first step points out to how sincere people are yeah. in their heart. Number one, go to your brother alone. You know, usually if we are angry with someone, exactly what you said or how someone has treated us, we want to tell the world about it. Yeah. And in turn, we talk about it with people and friends who have nothing to do with the situation, but most people have an opinion. And, you know, before the people, the person who's wronged us is even given a defense or a chance to apologize, it escalates, becomes a much bigger situation than it should be. Indeed. We end up making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. Do yeah, we not? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it says, go to your, your brother alone. Now, then the next few words say what? If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Okay, stop there for a moment. We're still on step one. Okay. By going directly to the person who has sinned you, me, us, or whatever, you're actually mirroring how Jesus responds to sins against him. In other words, Jesus experiences. 
expects us if in fact we have got something because there's another passage there that if you've you know if you take bring your gift to the uh, to the altar, altar and there's someone has sinned you should be actually going yes. to to them uh, so right. in other words we've there's actually a responsibility here on the individual that is feeling aggrieved to actually go to mm. the brother or the sister and actually chat it out privately. Yes, yes. And you're actually extending grace. Yeah. You think yeah. about that. That's what yeah. Jesus did. You're extending grace and you're showing love by keeping it just between the two of you. It also shows humility by loving them despite how they hurt you. Yeah. And value them over trying to get justice or revenge. And by not telling the world about their yeah. faults. You know, yeah. you know, if you're able to resolve it, all of a sudden what you're able to do is to put it to bed and, you know, nobody ever knows about it. Uh, yeah. And that, that to me is powerful. We live in a world today. You know, I, I am getting, I, I am getting frightened, frankly, by the number of conflict situations that I'm being drawn into uh, because of uh, things that are actually said, Facebook, Twitter, publicly, yes. that should never be said publicly. And, right. uh, you know, there is so much conflict in our world that is being aggravated by these particular devices. So you know, this is so anti-scriptural mm. that it actually makes me quite angry. Mm. Yeah, mm. Yeah, yeah. But keep going. Sorry. What are you going to do with your anger? I'm going to take it to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Okay. Now, step two actually talks about bringing a witness. You know, I've had people say, but what if the person chooses not to listen? Yeah. And I've had that that have that happen. I know that there was a, a conflict resolution going on one day and the pastor went up to this person and said, you know, I, I know what's happening here and, and you actually need to apologize to so-and-so. Yeah. And the person's answer was, I got nothing to apologize about. Yeah. yeah. Wrong answer. Because from that person's, the other person's perception, it should have been a Christian answer to say, well, that's not how I meant it, Mm. but I accept that that's how they perceived it. So yes, I'm happy to apologize. But it didn't happen. Okay. So let's go. So we've been told to bring one or two witnesses to mediate and to witness both parties' actions. And of course, the very beautiful thing about bringing two or three witnesses is that the witnesses can actually clarify what is being said by both parties. Absolutely. Because it could be that you are actually the one who, yes. who who is at fault here. Absolutely. And, you know, two or three witnesses can actually challenge mm. both parties. It brings a degree of independence yes. into the uh, whole scenario. Yeah. But let's remember the idea of getting those witnesses isn't to get the, a confession out of the other person. That's not what this is about, Gary. And it's it's not the fact that they have sinned against you or that's your perception, but rather to help someone out of sin. Okay, okay. And, and we need yeah. to keep that in yeah. mind. And it actually said in Scripture, but if you will not hear, take with you one or more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Mm. And, and that falls in line. So in the first step, heart posture was emphasized, and it's easy to do those things, though out of hurt and anger, but the correct attitude from step one must be carried through to step two, Yeah, the heart again. And right through all four steps, we need to see love and grace. Let's come to three. Yep, okay. Oh, 
I just wanted to point out again too, bringing witnesses is not to gang up on the other person. Yeah, yeah. Because that yeah. can be taken that way. Okay, number three, I can see you're just rushing me along. Okay, what does it say next, Gary? It says, and if he refuses to hear them, uh, tell it to the church. Mm. This is taking it to a very high level. Now, of course, at this point, there are some issues that are going to fall by the wayside because the church is, does actually have a right to say, hey, look, uh, uh, this issue about um, uh, th- this minor issue is something that uh, we believe that you folk can actually resolve between the two of you. Do you know, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that as pastor, on numerous occasions, I've actually said to individuals, I've said, hey, look, uh, this is something that doesn't need to involve me. It doesn't need to involve the church. This is something that the two of you uh, Mm -hmm. need to sit down, pray about and share with each other on and offer uh, what needs to occur to bring your relationship uh, back together. But if the relationship doesn't come back together... The Lord says. Then we're able to take it to a higher level. Yeah. And it actually shows the seriousness of the matter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't suggest you just go straight to the church. You talk to the people first, of course, you know. But I think it's important to keep in mind that none of it should be done out of spite. Mm. None of it should be done to get even. It should always be out of love and honest concern for people's hearts. Okay. Okay, So if they choose to to Then it comes to the church is is the third one. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it comes to the church. But if they choose to listen and repent... What then happens? We've got a brother or a sister back. We've got a brother. And, and isn't that yeah. a beautiful thought? I mean, isn't that what yeah. you want? You know, Absolutely. who wants to be in conflict? You know, no. and if the conflict is simply in my mind, then, you know, sometimes the, re- the resolution is I need to pray about that particular person because sometimes, hey, you know, if the, the issue can be more in my mind, and I've seen this more yes. and more increasingly, yes. the issue actually, you know, the other person sometimes doesn't even know that there's an issue that's, there. That's very, and, very true. You know, yeah. to me, one of the questions I actually ask people who are in conflict uh, when someone comes to me, I'm saying to them, hey, are you praying for the other person? Because I can guarantee that if they're not the conflict will continue. Absolutely. It is very, very, very difficult when you're in conflict with someone and you're praying for them, Lord, give me the right attitude. Absolutely. You know, when, you know, you know the resolutions that I've seen when that sort of thing actually takes place. To me, mm. this is powerful. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Helen, mm. uh, num- I, I just want to say what happens next. You know, if they refuse to listen, Jesus tells us what to do. What are we okay. to do? Well, ultimately, it says it says here, if he refuses um, to hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, of course, a heathen and a tax collector is a person that we try to win as a brother. This does it. Sometimes this is actually used as an excuse that I'm going to cast this person out. Uh, but no, you know. To me, in Scripture, the heathen and the tax collectors are someone that I have been commissioned to actually win for the Lord. Thank you, Gary. That's exactly the answer I was hoping. And that is actually so important in this whole area. Do you know, Helen, I look, we're going to come to some music. We do have to come to some music because I'm so conscious our time is starting to run away from uh, from us. Uh, This is uh, Caleb and Kelsey, Because He Lives. What a song this is. Because He Lives. 
I can face tomorrow Because He lives All fear is gone Because I know He holds a future And life is worth the living Just because He lives God sent His Son They called Him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He lived and died To buy my pardon In empty grave Is there to prove my Savior lives Because He lives I can face tomorrow Because He lives All fear is gone Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living Just because He lives And then one day is worth living just because he lives that was pike caleb and kelsey because he lives and uh, don't we have a debt to uh, bill and gloria gaither for composing that song because he lives really really live, love it uh, now don't forget our free gift to you today the healing power of forgiveness helen what's about that book again okay it's just amazing if at some point in your life you have been wounded by the hurts of others or if you've inflicted hurt on another person you need this book it's an amazing book um, there are stories there of some people that have had the most horrendous things happen to them and how they have come to the point of forgiving and it healing their bodies and one I remember very vividly is about the Rwandan genocide but I'm oh, not going to tell you about it because people need to get that book and read that it that is a powerful powerful story that oh, particular one yeah now look that book is entitled yeah. The Power of Forgiveness now if you'd like that book just uh, title The Power of Forgiveness with your name your address your telephone number 
and send it to uh, Faith FM to our text number. It's 0488 808 That number is 0488 808 uh, You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray and Helen's the pastoral assistant at the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're taking as our theme difficult questions about the quest- uh, about the church. And today we're discussing church members in conflict. Uh, how do I deal with it? Now, Helen, look, we, I, we're starting to run out of time here, but one question I do want to come to you. Is there ever a time when a church should invite an individual to move on to another church because I'm really conscious that sometimes conflict gets just so intense. Uh, people are, are dealing passionately with uh, with the same issues from different viewpoints. Is there ever a time when that should happen? Yes. Short short answer. Yes, there are. Unfortunately, uh, let me liken it to. In fact, Mark two sixteen and seventeen. Read that for me, please, Gary. I'm getting bossy now. Look okay, out. Mark uh, two yeah. 16, uh, and sixteen and seventeen. Read it quickly, Gary. Uh, and this is uh, this is what it uh, what it says. Uh, Whereabouts are we here? Sorry. And the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners. And he said to his disciples, how is it that he eats with and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard it. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yes. Now, the reason I've asked you to do that, it's, it's, in, it's like a hospital. There are places in the hospital you may be, but there might be another place you need to go to. To become yeah. healthy. Yeah. The place yeah. you're in may not be a good place to be in. You may end up in a hospital that's that's full of COVID. Yeah. And they and it's not good. Or you may come in with the COVID and they're saying, No, I'm sorry, yeah. you need to go to somewhere else. And that's a bit how I look at it. There are times when things cannot be resolved. There are yeah. times it is not good for the church. There are times it is not good um, for the individuals. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you there, Helen. I, I think, you know, I've now got a about 35 to 40, 35, 36 years in, uh, in ministry. And I think over that 35 or 36 years, on three occasions, I can recall inviting, uh, someone, the church actually formally inviting, saying, look, really? You need to go to another church, uh, mm-hmm. because, uh, uh, the conflict had just simply become so intense, uh, that it was just physically not possible for people to, and we simply had to say, look, you know, this church is not going to be able to meet your needs. You need to, move on to another and I think there is a time and I think scripture allows the church the prerogative to actually be able to do that and that's a sad situation when that occurs but you know Helen I'm so conscious that I think it does actually happen but look it's uh, we've got five minutes left share with us I, and I finish want off to, yes yeah. I want to add that we must remember that even though these people have been removed or have been asked to move on we don't do it out of anger we yeah. don't do it for punishment. We do it out of love. And then those people, they need to be loved and pursued like the prodigal son. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I have seen that happen. I have seen how conflict can be um, resolved between the people, but someone has to make a move. Yeah. Now, yeah. God makes a move on our hearts, He will prompt us. And very quickly, there was an incident where a particular lady was causing a lot of problems within my own family. And um, 
my husband and the woman moved off, but their mother, her mother stayed, and she was actually causing a lot of problems. Yeah. And we came up to foot washing, and of course in our church we have the um, ordinance of humility. We wash people's feet, and I distinctly felt God telling me I had to wash her feet. And I said, look, ask me to, to sing in front of a million people or scrub the toilet with a toothbrush or something. Don't ask me to do that. And I fought God all week. And then finally the day that we had this communion, I just finally said, God, not thy, my will, but thy will. And I gave it to him, yeah. crossed the floor and asked her, could I wash her feet? Yeah. I didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. Yeah. Now, the, it didn't completely resolve everything, but it certainly resolved the church when they saw yeah. that yeah. we were together moving out. Yeah. That they so could take I sides. appreciate what you're saying. You know, so yes. many of these con- church conflict, I am so conscious that when individuals are praying for the other person, Absolutely. conflict can be resolved. Yeah. But if you're not praying for the person with whom you have conflict, the conflict will not be resolved. Mm. And to me, I believe that scripturally, I believe we are expected to pray for those that despitefully use us. Amen. And that is more important than writing about it on Facebook. Amen. And to me, in fact, if you're not Amen. doing that, you're being unfaithful to scripture. Yeah. I think it's that clear on this mm, particular. Mm. Helen, our time is starting to run away from us. Know, Let's Gary. pray together. Yes. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us your word. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for the example of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, I just want to pray for each person out here. Lord, if there's somebody who's in conflict, maybe with a family member, maybe with a church member, maybe with uh, someone that that they associate with at work, I just pray that you will touch them by your Holy Spirit, that indeed they'll want to pray for that individual, that your spirit will work on that relationship, that there will be a major breakthrough. Uh, Lord, uh, we ask, we pray for the power of your spirit at this time on this matter, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Nick and Tracy uh, combine to talk about another difficult question. Does the church have a future? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.